Thanks, Gary. In case you think I was having a fit or something, I was trying to do the model thing. But <laughs> it didn't work so well, really. Wonderful to be together, as always. Um, I don't think I have to remind you, just as an intro, that as, as Glennon has said, we've been going through the book of John. But I will say just what a, as, as is God's word anywhere you read it, but just so much, there's so much to learn from, from John. And this morning we're going to follow and talk about one of the, the miracles, miracle of Jesus walking on water. It's a short little piece of scripture, um, just from, from John 6, verse 16 to 21. Um, but so much in that, I think, for us all today. Um, John writes actually about, about these miracles that he's recorded in his book. About There's seven miracles that, God, that John talks about in that book of John. And sometimes, I don't know if, you, if you're like me, but one sometimes thinks of, of things you read in Scripture and you think, but what is, what is, how is that relevant perhaps to me today? And so the question was asked by John himself when he looked at those miracles that he wrote. And he, and he says in John 20, verse 31, he says, There are more miracles than I've written in my book, John says, but these miracles that I've recorded, they've been recorded in my book in John, that you may be, believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. So this is why these miracles have been written, that we would understand from them who our God is, that he is truly God, righteous, holy, the only God, that we would believe them. That's the purpose of these miracles, that we'd know our God as that God, but also that in believing, we may then have life in his name. In other words, that what we've learned about our God, what we learn about from God in these miracles, we need to be living our life as a result of what we know and see of God in those miracles. And so this morning, as I said, we're going to be looking at the John, verse, John 6 verse, from verse 16. And I'm going to read it to us quickly. John 6 from, from verse 16. When evening came, his disciples went down to the lake where they got into a boat and set off across the lake for Capernaum. By now it was dark, and Jesus had not yet joined them. A strong wind was blowing, and the waters grew rough. When they had rowed five or six kilometers, they saw Jesus approaching the boat, walking on the water, and they were terrified. But he said to them, It is I, don't be afraid. Then they were willing to take him into the boat. And immediately, the boat reached the shore where they were heading. It's, it's quite a, it's not a flowery bit of scripture. It doesn't go into great explanation of what happened. But, and I'm going to just expand on that a little bit. But this morning, I want to make the first point in reading that for us and the relevance of us, to us today, I believe. My first point is that the Christian life is not a series of unbroken miracles. Or if you like to use the same analogy, the Christian life is not plain sailing. So what doesn't come across that well, I don't think, perhaps in that account, is that the, the, the disciples had set off in that boat around evening, just as it was dark. It was already dark when they set out. 
The wind was strong. Already a strong wind blowing. They got into that boat and off they went. And soon, very soon, they hit very rough waters. There were squalls that were, and, and, and waves that were, that were pounding the boat. And they were struggling. It doesn't come across that well in John's account. It was, they were struggling. They were in serious danger. They were blown off course. By the time that Jesus walks across the water to come to them, they're in the middle of the lake. They're off course. They, they, they've lost direction. We read about in, 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 in the other accounts of this, of Jesus walking on the water in Matthew and Mark, um, both talk about and say that Jesus came to them in the fourth watch, the fourth watch of the night. It was a Roman, Roman measurement that Jews didn't use. They only used the three watches. But the fourth watch was about 3 to 6 a.m. in the morning. So there they were setting off in the evening, as it was, as it was evening. Yes, it was dark. And, and between 3 and 6 in the morning, they were still straining at the oars, pushing through, getting nowhere. Alone, they felt. Straining and doing all they could, but making no progress. Not getting any nearer, not able to go back. They were in serious, serious trouble. And it was only when Jesus spoke to them, we read in there, remember we read it, only when they heard his voice were they then willing in that storm of theirs, that great storm, where they couldn't get out of this place. Only when they heard his voice were they willing to invite him into their boat. And we read what happened. The storms abated. And they went to the other side immediately. So my friends, the first point that I want to mention of that is that it, is a, that it was a storm, a great challenge in life. And also that it was not those that, 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 those that were in the boat were his disciples. They were his disciples that had just viewed all his miracles. In fact, the miracle of the feeding of the 5,000, it just happened. It, was, it, it happened, it took place. Those that saw Jesus do that were still wanted to, the, the word says, take him captive and to make, go and make him king. And Jesus says, I know what you're trying to do. You want to take me and use me for your purposes. You think because I gave you food, you can now capture me, it says. Take me by force and make me king. So he, Jesus retreated and went to the mountain by himself. And that's when the disciples on their own for a long period of the day then set out in the evening. They were, they were his disciples. Picture of us, believers, going through storms. We will go through storms, friends. That's what this is telling us. Disciples went through storms. I don't have to tell you of, of, this, of, the, of this many in Scripture, so many. You know, Paul, ending up in prison and shipwrecked and stoned. Great man of, of God. David, constantly being pestered and, for his life. Those that wanted to take his life. Christians, you and I, friends, we will have storms. Miracles are written in John so that we would understand our God and who he is in our storm, but that we would be able to live our lives in him. It's telling us that we will live lives of struggle and storm. Here's the thing that might rock your boat. Isaiah 45 verse 15. Zaya writes, truly, you are a God who hides himself. What? Truly, you are a God who hides himself? 
David himself in, in, in Psalm 22 said, why, My Lord, my Lord, why have you forsaken me? David said. You are so far from saving me, so far from the words of my groaning. I cry to you by day, but you don't answer. David. Job. What did Job say? We know the sufferings of Job. Job 23 verse 3. Job said, oh, that I might know where I would find him. Because in his struggles, he looked for God and he didn't find him. Job did conclude in that verse 23. Later on, he said, but he knows the way that I take. And when he has tested me, I will come forth as gold. But in his struggle, he could not find his Lord. As David often cried. Why am I stressing this, friends? Because this is what we know sometimes we feel like. We feel that God is nowhere in our struggle. I don't know if any of you are sitting here this morning and you can relate to that. Maybe you're going through a storm yourself right now. And you just feel, I've cried out to God. I've done all I could. I've rode furiously. But the waves are coming. They still come. And I don't seem to find God. All I can say is, we're all in the same boat. We're all in the same boat. It isn't what is unexpected. We need to be, understand sometimes the hard things of our faith. Maybe. Why do you think that might be? Why do you think God would want us to walk in that way, sometimes feeling that he's not, he's not there? Perhaps it's, one explanation is that you know the verse well, I think, that we are called to walk by faith and not by sight. You and I are called to walk by faith, not by sight. And sometimes when you look around us, the things we see are the struggles and the, and, and the hardship. And we don't see God because we are asked to walk by faith in him, not, not by sight, not by what we see around us, but having a faith beyond the things we see. Perhaps that's why God sometimes puts us in those situations where maybe we feel we don't see him, but we need to exercise faith. You find that scripture about exercising, walking by faith in 2 Corinthians 5 verse 7. And we know that all things work for the good of those that are in Christ. We know that we love him and are called according to his purposes. Romans 8 28. So while we're in that struggle, if you are in a struggle, if there are struggles to come and you sometimes feel that way, also take, take joy. Be, be confident that God does this. Everything for those that are in him who love him. He works them out, these things for our good. My second point, because I don't want to leave us in that situation where you say, but I hear you, Terry, but wow, this, I don't know if, I, if I'm looking forward to these things that would come. Or, you know, is this really what we are? Is this how we live all the time? No, we do not live like that all the time. But we will have those struggles. The second point, Jesus will never leave us or forsake us. He is never far from us. In this account in John, of the disciples being out there in the lake. John doesn't record this, but the same account in Matthew and in Mark, if we look at Mark, for example, says that Jesus, as I said to you, he withdrew and was on a mountain and didn't come, wasn't with his, his disciples when they set off in the boat. But it says in, in Mark of the same account that Jesus up on the mountain saw them toiling and straining on that lake. He was never not aware of their struggle. Never. He may not have been in the boat with them, 
But as he sat there up on the mountain, he was very much aware. It says he saw their straining. He saw their, their pushing through these hardships. So my friend, you can be assured of that and I can be assured of that. That when we do walk in those tough times, we may not feel that God is with us. But he's always with us. He's aware of every single struggle that you and I face every day and will always know our struggles. Take comfort in that, friends. Jesus was watching his disciples all the while as they struggled on that lake from the evening till three, four, five, six o'clock in the morning. We know well, do you know that wonderful psalm? I know you do. We actually prayed it earlier. Psalm 139. Where David says, even if I go to the far side of the sea, David says, if I'm trying to get away from you, Lord, if I go to the far ends of the sea, the, the deepest depths of the sea, I can't, just, I can't get away from your presence, Lord. You will, I will always be with you. You will always be with me. Psalm 139. Jesus never, never is unaware of you and I and what we're experiencing. Wonderful, wonderful scripture in Romans 8.39. You know it well, I also think probably. It says, neither life nor death nor anything else in all creation will separate me from the love of God. Nothing in all creation. Storms, calamities, good things, bad things. Life, death, nothing would be, will be able to separate you and I from the love of Christ. He's never. His love is always there with us. Take heart if you're going through a storm. Take heart if you're to go through a storm and remember this preach. <laughs> or just remember his word. You will never be separated from God's love. You will never be able to escape or get away from the presence of our God. Your shepherd and my shepherd is with you always. Isn't that great? Isn't that wonderful? Isn't that encouraging? Other thing that we can learn from this, this account, we were speaking about it as I walked in at the coffee shop, speaking to somebody about this this morning. I remind you that God's timing is perfect. And although we may feel, as the, as the disciples did, that I've been rowing since evening. Where is my God? Where are you, Lord? I've been with you up when you fed the 5,000. I know you, my God. I'm your disciple, but where are you? Well, his timing was perfect, wasn't it? The fourth hour, Jesus walked across because he knew they, they, he, they needed him. And it says immediately, immediately, as soon as he got into that boat, storms were over. And they found themselves immediately in Capernaum. So his timing is absolutely perfect. I always, another scripture, just to hang on to in these times when you might and I might find the trials over, just overbearing. Do you know the scripture, Hebrews 7 verse 28? Or sorry, 25, Hebrews 7, 25. It's that wonderful description of our high priest, our perfect high priest that we have, Jesus Christ himself, who it says is always interceding for us before the Father. So think about that. If Jesus at any time did not know what was going on in your life or my life, how would he be able to be interceding for us? Always, continually before the Father. 
What an amazing thing that Jesus himself is presenting your case and my case before the Father, before our God, all the time. Because he knows you. He knows me. He's able to intercede for us every single day. He will never forget you. He will never, never forget me. And I thank our God for that. Last point just under, under this, this God never leaving us or forsaking us that I see in this piece of scripture. Friends, when you are going through a hard time, when I'm going through a hard time, part of the reason why you are in Hope City Church is because God wants you and me to walk out our faith in community, in a body, the body of Christ. They were all in the boat. The disciples were all in that boat. They were all in that storm. And God wants us to carry each other's burdens. God wants us as Christians, as the body of Christ, when we're going through hardships, to speak about those to our, to our, to our brothers and sisters. He wants, he wants us to be praying for each other. He wants us to be, to, be, to be encouraging each other. And so sometimes, for whatever reason, I think because we, we may be proud, we may not want others to know this thing, that it is actually part of our Christian walk. Maybe we, maybe we don't really grasp that. We don't want to grasp that. So when we do go through difficult times, we don't want to share that. We're somehow embarrassed or, or too proud. They were all in the boat together, my friends. Because God wants us to be in that situation where you are hurting. Tell somebody about it. I know I would be privileged to pray for someone who comes to me and says, I'm hurting. I'm going through something I can't handle. And I know that if I was in that situation, I believe you would pray for me. But that's God's will. That we carry each other through our storms and our challenges. My third point this morning. Never rely on your own strength. Never rely on your own strength. Don't you find it odd, because I do a little when I read this passage of Scripture? As I say, the disciples, it's not as if they were far from God in the sense of, well, you know, I'm still working out, um, you know, whether I know who Jesus or they were his disciples. Yet, as they set off into that storm, perhaps they didn't realize how hard of a, what a storm it would be in the beginning. But having stressed and strained and felt hopeless and, and out of control, never once does it say they cried out to their God. Never once did they say in the scripture, Lord, where are you? Lord, come to my rescue. They just grabbed those oars and they just tried their best and they got nowhere. Never rely on your own strength. Word of God is full of those exhortations. That we to look to God, look to the Lord and his strength. Seek his face always. Look to the Lord and his strength. Seek his face always, says in Psalms. As I said already, as soon as they did that, the very, the very, when they cried out to him for the first time, when they saw him coming, firstly they were terrified, but then when they, when, they, when they got over that and they heard his voice and he came to them and his strength was there, that he was in the boat with them, what happened? Immediately the storms were over and they got to the other side. They got through the storm, in John's account, immediately to that place of comfort, the village of comfort is what the comfortable village, Capernaum. 
So where they were stressing and straining and fighting it on their own, nowhere. They were getting nowhere. But as soon as they looked to the Lord and they invited him into their storm, the storm was over and they went to a place of peace. From a place of straining and stress and hopelessness to a place of peace. To the comfort village, comfortable village. I love it. One of my favorite, favorite passages of scripture is in 2 Corinthians 12, 9. Where Paul has a weakness. He's got a thorn in his flesh. In other words, he's weak. He's got something that, 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 that stops him from being the best he can. This, this, this thorn in his flesh. And he asks Jesus to take that thorn away, that weakness away. And in that scripture, Jesus says to Paul, My grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. Paul later then, having, having heard that from Jesus himself, concluded, Where I am weak, then I am strong. Beautiful scripture. So my friends, if you are weak, when you are weak... When you are battling, Scripture is so, is so encouraging. If we just cry out to God for His strength, He wants us to be in that place. Where we are weak, He becomes strong in our situation for us. We need the strength of God at all times. Friends, we just do life better. All life. The good things, the struggles, we just do those things better when we are relying on God and where we want God to be in those situations with us because we were made that way. That's how God wants us to live our lives. Part of that thing is how do we now live in him? We live in him by looking to his strength other than not like the disciples were doing in this story, but that's how he wants us to live, dependent on him at all times. Why do you think why do you think they were not willing? It says they were not willing, remember? Well, it doesn't say they weren't willing, but it says when they heard his voice, then they were willing to ask him to come into the boat. Why do you think they didn't ask him to come into that boat? I wonder. I think maybe it was because they didn't recognize him. In fact, it says in the other accounts, they th they, when they saw Jesus coming across the water, they thought he was some sort of a ghost. They weren't expecting God. Their hearts were not expectant of God to be in their situation. Do you and I long for God to be in our lives in every situation? All the things in our lives where we don't want God to be part of. I would encourage you, if, and I encourage myself in this, that I, I want to be willing to see God with me in every situation. I want to be expectant during the day for God to intervene. I've done that often, not as often, more often in the later part of my life, where I look back on my day and I do it purposely and I see where God has been with me and intervened. When I said something kind to somebody, instead of giving them Criticism, where something just happened where I think to myself, that was not coincidence. That was God in my circumstance. And God wants us to be like that, where we expect him to be in our lives, every part of our life. Be expectant, be willing for God to come into your life. 
Next point that I want to make, and I'll wrap it up fairly soon. Familiarity. Maybe one of the answers as to why they, they, they were only willing at the end to invite Jesus into their situation, into their storm. I think maybe the problem was that the, the disciples, as they set off that day onto that, onto that piece of water, were very familiar with the Sea of Galilee. I mean, if, if, if you and I were asked to get into a boat, I don't know, Zoo Lake or Germiston Lake, jump into your boat, there's your, there the, there's, there the oars set out there across the sea. Start, start, start rowing. Maybe then, maybe then, I think I would say, Lord, help me. God, help me, because I'm going to go around and around in circles. It reminds me of another story, but i see if I have time to tell it. But they were probably so familiar with getting onto a boat. They were fishermen, after all, and heading off to, down a coastline that they well knew might be the reason why they never, ever thought about asking God for his strength in that situation. Because I can do this on my own. This is easy for me. So my friends, I ask again, or I, I, let's take it back to our own situations. Are there situations where you know that you need God? I need God for this big thing that I'm about to do. But in my work, I'm, I'm, I'm a jacked up, uh, you know, accountant or lawyer. I, I, that part of life, I can do that. I don't need God to help me with that. I've, this, this I've got under control. No, no need to ask God for help. I think it's a dangerous place to be. Because that speaks of self-sufficiency. I, you know, I can do this thing. It talks about self-sufficiency, where the whole, I think, our walking God is just the opposite of that. It's always a question of being dependent on God. For Isn't it dying to self? Isn't that what we're called to do? We have to die to self, not, not think we can do everything on our own. And so, maybe that was the danger. That was why they never cried out to God when they started off their journey. Because they just felt so confident in themselves. So I think it's just, a, it's just something to be aware of, that... In those situations where we think we've got it all together and we don't need God, maybe pride can, can, can creep in. Maybe pride can, creep, can, can, can come in. So be aware of that. Be aware of that. And even at, the, even at the worst, those things that you do so well that you don't need God for, maybe that's a time to give thanks to God for giving you those skills, giving you that gifting, so that you don't become puffed up in your own ability and your own, and your own strength. So we need God, my friends. I need God. I just think of situations where I have, I have been in difficulty and stress, and I think back, and I know that if I had not looked to God for his strength, things would have been completely different. And I'm sure you have those kind of testimonies yourself. Just last point for me, um, the spirit of wisdom and revelation Ephesians 1.17 says, I pray that the God and Lord Jesus Christ, God of our Father, Lord Jesus Christ, would give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. That you may know him better. And my reading of this verse or this piece of scripture could be that having been with Jesus when he said, fed the 5,000, they knew of their God as a God who provides. God who provides, who can give bread and multiply bread for their physical needs. But I don't think they knew and fully understood that God was, was Lord of all. That, that, that side of God sorted. But they didn't understand. 
That he was Lord of all. And if he's Lord of all, the scripture also speaks in Psalms about him, how his voice thunders above the waters. They would not have been surprised if they knew that their God was, 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 was in control of everything, that he was Lord of Lords. They would have expected him possibly, should have expected him to be able to walk across the water. And it says in the other accounts, but not in John, in Mark, Mark 6 verse 52, that they were amazed when he got into the boat and the storm calmed. They were amazed, it says, that the storm actually calmed. Why? Because they did not have a full revelation of who God was. They didn't understand that God is more than able to tell the storm, be, be still. They had not understood that about their God. So the challenge I think that we have is to understand our Lord and the fullness of Him more and more. I don't think we necessarily get an instant revelation of that when we come to Christ. We actually prayed that this morning in, in, in prayer meeting. We would have an understanding of God and who He really is, not just an understanding of, of one aspect of Him. So as I, as I finish off, if you are lonely, you, God is your comforter. So I can go on. If you're sad, God is the father of compassion. If you're confused, he's the one who gives wisdom. If you're addicted to something, he's the one who sets you free. If you're afraid, he's the one. He is love. Love casts out all fear. And so it is with every aspect. I believe God, if you know him as that, as, as a God who, who's, who's, who's able to meet every need of yours, we will be in a better place in our walk with him. Lastly, Something that I really feel important this morning, I felt in just preparing this. Again, we also prayed, this, talked about it this morning, Psalm 139, where David says, Lord, you've searched me and you know me, he says. Where I sit and where I rise, you perceive my thoughts from afar. You are familiar with all my ways. Do you know, my friends? How much God loves you personally. Do you know that? Or do you sometimes feel that God is for others? He doesn't really know me. I'm one little person and I'm not that great anyway. Why would God really know me? But that's an aspect of God that I feel you, you and I need to grasp this morning. God knows you personally. And he loves you with a great love. So as I conclude this morning... If you're going through a storm that is raging, your strength is low, if you're feeling that way, I want to remind you that God is bigger and stronger and Lord of any storm, and he is in control. So allow him to get on board, get into your boat this morning. Allow him into your boat, allow him into your storm. Even if that is, may I suggest, just to be with you in the storm for a while until that storm is brought to an end by him. But invite him into your storm to walk with you in that. Because when he gets on board, you'll go a lot faster and a lot further and you'll, and you'll find your peace a lot quicker. Trust him today in your storm. Amen. Friends, if there's anyone here this morning, I, Lennon, can I just pray for people? I... I I, I just feel also, friends, as, as, as we finish this morning, you may not be in a storm, but I don't know. I don't know how you, I'm not those that, that's, that's the person who would say that the, the end is going to be very soon and Christ is going to come again. But our world is shaking. Our world is shaking. It's quite possible that we will have many storms to face. 
still in the future if you're not going through a storm already. And so these, I hope this is an encouragement to us. We don't want to always be in that storm. And God wants to take us out of that. But he also wants to be, the, be in our storm. So can I ask if we just stand, please? I just want to end off just by praying for us. If anybody feels that they, they are particularly gay, can I ask you to be vulnerable? Thank you. Do you want to come up? Thanks so much. Appreciate that. Thank you. Can I ask you to be vulnerable? Can I ask you to be willing to ask God into your storm? I'm not going to ask you to come to the front. Um, but I want to ask you if you feel like you're going through a storm or you just want prayer for those times that may come when you are in a storm. Please can I ask that you raise your hand if you're in that place. Please can you raise your hands. I'd love to pray for you. Thank you for doing that. Thank you for your vulnerability. Thank you for doing that. Let's pray together. Oh, Father God, Father God, I want to thank you, Lord God, for the, for the assurance that we have as your sons and daughters. Firstly, that you love us intimately, Lord, that you know us, each one of us. I, I, all the hands that are raised in this, in this place this morning, Lord, I pray right now, Holy Spirit, would you bring a confidence and a conviction to every person that you know their storm, Lord. You know their battle, Lord God. Lord, you, you feel their pain. Oh God, do that, I pray, Holy Spirit. And Lord, as their hands have been raised, I ask, Lord God, right now, Lord, would you come into that situation? Would you, would you, would you step into that storm, Lord, each individual storm? Lord, in a new way. Lord, in, in, a, in a way that, that it would be perceived by those in the storm, that you are with them. Come, Lord Jesus, I pray. Step into their situation, Lord. And my God, I thank you. God, that you are never far from us. And Lord, that as you call us to walk by faith, Lord, you equip us and enable us. And so, Lord, I also pray, Lord, that, that Lord, there would be peace in every single hand that's raised where these battles are being fought. May people know they don't fight alone. And that, Lord Jesus, you will bring them to the other side. You will bring them to the other side, but you will walk the way with them, Lord, in the storm. I thank you for that, Lord Jesus. Lord, may there be your peace and your rest and your strength, Lord, imparted this morning. Thank you for this, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If anybody would like prayer separately, just to come up afterwards, I will be around. Please, we'd love to pray for you. Thank you so much. Thank you, Terry. Enjoy some tea and coffee. If you are visiting with us for the first time, don't forget to fill out your Connect card and uh, get yourself a free cappuccino afterwards. And have an amazing week. Amen.